Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by Phil Savage and Andy Kelly. Apologies for being away again. Um, basically everyone flew away again and I was powerless to stop it. But uh, anyway, we're back this week to talk about a couple of heavy hitters, which is cool. We're going to talk about uh, Battlefield 1 this week and we're yep. going to talk about Mafia 3 as well, which uh, Phil's been playing Battlefield, Andy's been playing Mafia. I've been playing some games that aren't as exciting as that, uh, including Cluster Truck. Uh, which I'll talk about briefly as well. Um, but yes, I guess we'll start with Mafia 3, because it's the most recent release, and uh, Battlefield isn't out yet, and we'll get to that. But Andy, Mafia 3. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> how has the experience of reviewing that been for you? Yeah, well, I'm as we speak, I'm, I'm just finishing the review. Well, not as we speak. After we finish speaking, I'll be finishing <laughs> the review. Um, and it's been started out as, oh, this is quite a fun game to review, to an absolute chore. Right, um, because the game, which mirrors the 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 path the game takes, where it starts promising, and becomes one of the most chore like, open world games I've played in well since like Assassin's Creed One. Wow, no god, that's brutal. Because I, I <laughs> so I, people who listen to this podcast remember that I played this a few weeks ago, and I really like the open world, and I had some reservations about the combat and the AI, but like. Um, I uh, generally thought it looked pretty good. They showed me the first like hour or two, then they jumped to later in the game where you were taking over rackets, then went into a story mission, um, which I can now talk about. It's like a boxing, uh, it's like a mission in a boxing ring, um, and that was basically all I played of it. But it sounds like the main problem with it, Andy, is that all of the racket stuff is the tedious stuff that you're talking about, and that is the game. Yeah, I think it was quite clever of them to show you the first two hours because that's the best part of the game. Um, it's got a great couple of hours of scene setting. Um, it's most reminiscent of Mafia 2 in that it's very scripted and fast-paced and it sets the scene and the tone of the era, um, introduces you to the main character, Lincoln Clay. And it's, you know, that's at that point, <clears throat> I think I'm, I emailed Sam saying, oh, I, this, this is really good. Like, I'm surprised by how good this is. Um, but then... The bit that they jumped to where you're doing these racket missions, which I'll explain in a second, um, you probably got the impression that that was just a little slice of of what's to come, when in fact it is the whole game. Wow. By and large, 90% of the game is doing these racket missions. Yeah. See, I must admit, I thought you would like do a racket, do a good story mission, then do another racket. But the rackets didn't seem to take that long to do, so... Seemed okay, but it sounds like there's not much in the way of story missions no. at all, really. So there are story missions. There's some some really good ones. Um, there's a good early one where you're in a sort of um, amusement park that's been ruined by a hurricane or something. It's like a ruined amusement park, and it's all a bit Bioshock and weird. It's a sort of guy taunting you over the speakers. There's all these weird. Um, it's a bit like uh, Address Unknown, Max Payne Two kind of thing. It's quite it's quite cool. Um, but that was just before the, the moment where it introduced you to this racket system, which I thought was that thing where it introduces you to an optional side mission. It goes, do a couple of these and then you can do the rest if you want. And then I realized, I was like, I've been doing these for three hours. I've been doing racket missions for three hours now. And it suddenly dawned on me that that is, that is the, the, the crux of the game. It's built around the system. So um, basically, Link and Clay, the uh, new protagonist, <clears throat> is trying to become the main top number one crime man of um, <laughs> New Bordeaux. That's the official title. Yeah, it's the classic open world crime thing of rising in the ranks. Um, to do so, you need to take over districts, and to do that, you need to basically find 
illegal businesses such as prostitution, drug dealing, contraband, smuggling, all that good stuff. And you have to basically take it off of the guys who run it and take it as your own. Um, so every every one of these businesses has a dollar value and you just have to get that number down to zero, which draws out the boss and then you kill the boss and you take over the business. Um, so getting the number down um, will involve driving between points on the map, various locations uh, related to said vice, whether it's a brothel or a warehouse. Way. <laughs> Or a factory, or some other boring location. Home front the revolution, a yeah. warehouse. <clears throat> lots of boring locations that don't really make the best use of the 60s setting, because it could be a warehouse in any era. But anyway, because um, warehouses don't change much, you know. A warehouse now <laughs> probably looks quite like it in the 60s. That's a good point. Yeah. But, um, so you drive between locations on the map, points on the map. Uh, you do an objective, whether it's smashing up crates of drugs, um, which seems a bit weird to take over these rackets by destroying their drugs. Destroy the drugs. You'd want to keep the drugs to, to so when the racket is yours, you can then sell the drugs. But anyway, you, you do these, you, you destroy things or you kill people or you steal money and that lowers the dollar value of the racket until it hits zero, the boss comes out, you kill him. So that's like a, that's a system there. There's a loop there, which would be a side mission in another game you probably wouldn't bother with. You'd right. go, eh, I can't be bothered in that racket territory stuff. Maybe I'll do it after I've finished it. But here you have to do it. It's they're marked as story missions on the map. Oh right. Mm. Um, and it's just it's 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 fine at first. I quite enjoyed it because the the stealth is kind of like Metal Gear Five light. It's quite chunky and Arkham is what I thought. Of. And Arkham as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a kind of combination of those where you can use for distractions and stuff like that, and you can whistle and lure guards out and all that kind of thing. Um, and it's fine. It's like quite stealth by numbers but it's fairly enjoyable and chunky feeling but um every mission and every racket is the same thing it's a room full of or an area full of men sometimes you gotta interrogate one of those men kill one of those men or there's some boxes or other things in amongst those men that you have to destroy um and so if you look at like metal gear 5 all the missions in metal gear 5 are almost the same it's sneak in somewhere hmm. But this, the sheer amount of variety of ways to do that is what makes Metal Gear 5 great. Mm. Whereas this, there just aren't enough interesting systems or enough ways to mess with the guards or enough ways to do these missions to justify having so many of the same mission, you know? Yeah. Um, so it quickly becomes a grind. You know, you feel you, you're just going through the motions doing the same thing over and over again, despite the fact that you are now in a different part of the city doing it. You know, you'll be, whether you're in downtown or you're in the bayou or you're in the French ward, we're still just doing the same thing. Hmm. And your reward is the odd story mission where you get to do something a bit more scripted and cinematic and a bit more fun. But then it's back back to the grind, the crime grind. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Um, so the that's not the only reason the game's been disappointing, right? Like the uh, the port. I did ask 2K about uncapped frame rates in 4K and they didn't get back to me like yeah. in the preview phase and like... I don't know now. Obviously, like it's uh, it launched with a thirty frames per second cap, and uh, yeah, like it's uh, obviously now they've released a patch to to kind of alleviate that. But people obviously reacted quite strongly to that, and yeah. it turns out it's apparently quite hard to get the game running at like ten eighty p sixty frames per second. Yeah. Well, the the reason for the cap became clear when they hastily released the patch that uncaps it. Yeah. And the game, even on like a, a GTX ten eighty, struggles to maintain you know, 60 frames per second. Mm. 
um, which implies horrible optimization because so when when I I was playing it on a GTX 970 and it maintained 30 frames per second you know this was before the patch and it was fine I got used to it and I just played the game at that you know for the most of it um, and then I uncapped the frame rate and I gained like 10 frames yeah. so the point I so I just went back to the the 30 lock because it's like why would I want to play it like a jittery 40 frames yeah. I'd rather just have a solid 30 so you need like a mega beastly GPU but you know I can run I can play GTA 5, which looks infinitely better than Mafia 3. Uh, almost full settings at, you know, 60 frames per second on a 970. So it's not a case of the game is just too damn pretty. To it does, I, th <clears throat> I thought it did look really nice in parts, So Like, some of its lighting effects are really quite gorgeous. And like, There's some uh, nice lighting, but the, just the fidelity of the world is just really low compared to GTA, um, which obviously is unfair to compare because of the, the golf and budgets and talent that is Rockstar North are been making these games forever yeah and this is a new team but it's got a kind of it's got muddy textures um quite you know the geometry is quite uh, low fidelity and it just just the image is a bit grimy it just doesn't look nice it's just it's it's just unpleasant to look at and i also think if you're running it a native resolution it looks blurry as if it's been upscaled from a low resolution yeah internally um someone like digital foundry will find that out for sure but it just looks the image quality is just really quite disappointing it's not a nice looking game and um the fact that you need a mega beast of a card to maintain 60 frames when it doesn't look that good as speaks to me of of poor optimization but i'm no expert that's just what i think oh me neither but like you know anecdotally <clears throat> if you if you own you know the 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 main card of the last series of nvidia cards it mm. should really be running it yeah. better than that like relative to how it looks i mean you know that's i think that's fair enough to say yeah um but it's just a shame because it just adds more disappointment to it like um it seems like there's an alternate reality where they just made another proper mafia game like those first two hours yeah it sounds like if they cut all the <clears throat> open world stuff out and did mafia where they have this open world city and it just links all the story missions that yeah. people seem quite up on people seem to be enjoying those then it might be a better game they should have done that because the the seeds of the story it plants are interesting mm. Because it's set in, you know, 1960s south of America um, when segregation was A-OK, -okay, which seems mad that it was so recent, you know, and such a bizarre thing. So getting to sort of experience a bit of that as a black man in mm. uh, this American South in that era is quite, you know, it's quite bold and interesting, I thought. Especially when you, um, you see a, a pub or whatever and it says whites only. And of course you walk in. <laughs> And the owner comes over and he starts getting shirty with you. And then if you refuse to leave, he calls the cops. And then you choke him out before he calls the cops. <laughs> <laughs> and it is weird. It's just weird seeing... I say this in my review. It's a weird. nuanced exploration of yeah. race in the it's 60s. It's weird seeing like a really like uh, shameful period of American history like turned into a game system and then being entertained by it. So every time I see a, a segregated... Uh, establishment in the game, I yep. run in, right, we'll sort <laughs> <this> out, <laughs> and just stand around and like intimidate the owner until he calls the cops and I choke him out. It's just what I do now, but it just seems weird that that's I'm getting entertainment out of um, mi the mi misery of millions not that long ago. But you know, it's cool. That it's good that they uh, met. They didn't tiptoe around it and they set the game in that era, so they had to go the full way and show the the unpleasant side of it. I'm sure there's going to be some you know interesting criticism around this from people who understand this subject you know a bit yeah. better than we do um which you know will be interesting to see but like yeah. uh 
Yeah, like, the, you know, you can't just not acknowledge it. And what's the alternative? You just keep making games about white Italian-American yeah, guys. Italians in the forces. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's it's seems fair enough yeah. to me to at least, you know, make the effort, even yeah. if, you know, mm. that effort is definitely open to criticism, obviously. So the, the, the premise there is interesting, the idea of a Vietnam vet returning, um, seeing other sides of organized crime in America other than shops, gangsters. It's cool, but the story is underserved by this sudden drift into empire building checklist ticking tedium you know where mm. his driven quest for revenge sort of uh peters out as he sort of um, rolls up his sleeves and goes and does yeah. all the dirty work himself despite being the supposed leader of this crime organization it just feels a bit weird and um the story just sort of dies a bit of a death and it'll pick up occasionally when you get these story missions or you get these flash forwards to someone given like a deposition about your actions, which is quite cool and mm. TV like. Yeah, told in this documentary framing device. Yeah, yeah, with a full like vintage effect, it looks quite nice. Yeah, and like the character models and his cutscenes look amazing as well. Yeah, um, that's yeah. one of the strengths of it. Yeah, amazing character models with like you see all the various muscles in their face moving in quite an uncanny way. It's quite impressive. Um, but I think Lincoln Clay is like actually. Uh, starts promising, but is a really deeply un- uninteresting character. Mm. Like, he's just another revenge-obsessed crime man. Yeah. And he occasionally has PTSD-style flashbacks because he was in the war, so... I guess, like, yeah. there wasn't loads more to Vito outside of that, was there? No, that's... A, no, I mean, yeah, Vito was just another... But I think why I care about him more is because you saw... I don't know, it, there was, like, there's a lot more scene-setting in the first one where you're walking through the neighborhood when you get back from the war in the snow and you drive mm. around with Joe and he fills you in about what's happening while you've been away and stuff like that. The singing with the body <clears> in the car as well. Yeah, there's more heart, there's more charm and personality and like heart in Mafia 2. Mafia 3 feels really like charmless and and like almost like joyless in a way. There's no mm. there's no, there's no like there's no spark to it. There's nothing to match that scene of you and your drunk mates singing Dean Martin, you know, as you go to dump a body up in a up a hill. Like yeah. that that stuff even though you're just driving, you know, following a map marker, everyone remembers that bit who played that because it it just it was char- it built the characters and it built your fondness for the characters. But here, I, I just don't care about Clay at all. Yeah. I suppose plus also in that game, you were actually part of the mob and got to sort of enjoy that sort of golden years thing before things started to turn sour. Yeah, um, there was like great... Um, feeling you know when you do your first big job in mafia 2 and you immediately go and buy the most expensive suit yeah and the game opens up all the best suit shops and you get a really nice car and you, you live that you, you you take part in that thing of rising in the ranks whereas lincoln is just on a get more territory and it, it like you get loads of money you can't even spend the money on anything but guns and ammo which is just free which just yeah. lies around anywhere like it does that open world thing that some early gta's did we've got GTA 4 actually did this, where you've got tons of money and nothing to spend it on but like another beanie hat from the Russian clothes shop. And then you go into a cutscene where your character is forced to I've do something no terrible <laughs> yeah. because he's got no money. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. come on. Came, Nico, we can, uh, we can blow this joint. So there's no Imagine how many bowling trips you go on with your bank <laughs> yeah. right now. See, GTA 5, you know, got that right where you can like, you invest and stuff and all that. Yeah. But it, yeah, and, and this, the money is sort of. I think you there's even a system of like not having keeping money on you and putting it in a safe because when you die you lose money but so I was banking all this money in my safe and and, and never spending it just it just feels like and, yeah I didn't feel like Lincoln was going rising and 
he was gaining power and territory, but it didn't feel like I was going on any sort of journey with him. Whereas, you know, Vito starts out, you know, doing really shoddy crimes and then he rises in the ranks till he becomes, you know, gets trusted with the bigger stuff. There was more of a progression and more of a journey there. And it was just more fun. The characters had a bit of life about them in this. They're all just grumbling, sweary crime men. See, I, I must admit, I do disagree with you on the quality of the city. Like, uh, I do think the Mafia 2 City, as nice as it was, does just feel like window dressing. Whereas this, I think, feels like it feels to me like a considered open world, and there are some some nice variety in districts. You've got like swamplands, and I, you know, like kind of well lit areas and carnivals and stuff. And I quite I quite like how it captured the vibe yeah. of that. But um, doesn't sound like that's captured your imagination much. You want a big no. open world. No, I mean, yeah, like Empire Bay was just set dressing. It was an elaborate backdrop for a linear action game. Yeah, um, I think magnifies I've magnifies it, I guess. Yeah, I've just been spoiled by GTA Five, where there's so much re- reactivity, so many little micro details, and insane granular Rockstar style, you know, attention to detail. Whereas this um, feels more set like, you know, there's some nice environments, there's some nice variety. Like the French ward looks great. You know, it's that mm, classic. Yeah. It's like the French Quarter in in the real New Orleans, which you've actually been to. Yeah, which is a, you know, it's just a beautiful part of the city. Yeah, um, all that it? sort of colonial architecture and very distinctive feel. That's cool. Um, there's some parts of the city that are more industrial and more GTA like, as in a more familiar city setting. But you know, they've got to show the the variety. Um, but yeah, I just didn't fully believe in the city. It didn't feel as alive as as um, GTA. But it's, it's unfair to compare anything to GTA really because they've got the 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 sheer numbers and 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 budget to yeah. make whatever you know things to a, a ridiculous fidelity. That's true, but they're also charging the same amount of money for the products that mm. they're selling. That's true, but then I I, I don't. Uh, for example, I've been playing Sleeping Dogs a bit lately, and that's uh, definitely not on Rockstar's level in terms of world building. But yeah, I think it's, it's still a, a really kind of like nice looking mm. and different feeling open world. I think Sleeping Dogs has always got away with it by focusing in on sort of the. The small scale areas like LA, I mean, because LA is just roads in a place that shouldn't exist, <laughs> and no, no human should live there. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Whereas Hong Kong feels quite intimate and um, like intricate and detailed, but in uh, there's there's a feeling of life to Sleeping Dogs, like the number of people around doing stuff and going about their business. It does feel like a place, right? Yeah. And also, it's quite you know, it, it's quite different. You don't. <clears throat> see, you see a lot of American cities in open world games. It's true. It's uh, that's what's good about New Bordeaux. Actually, it's an American city, but it's one. Yeah, that's true. You don't often see, but it's still. Yeah, I just didn't fully buy into the world as a, a place. I really uh, sort of. It, it, I think they were too restrained with the art style. They kept. They made it too. They played it too straight. I think whereas a GTA uh, city is like an exaggerated caricature of a city, and, and you can learn it by its landmarks right you know if you drive around in, in los santos you know you are immediately from the type of architecture the type of pedestrians walking around whereas in um new bordeaux i didn't feel like over the time i played it, i was learning it as a i was nothing felt distinctive like the districts didn't feel apart from in a really obvious like when you're in downtown the buildings are bigger but it just didn't feel i didn't feel like i was learning the city by eye as much as you do in, in gta which i think uses stuff like landmarks and shapes of buildings and, and uh, elevations of roads and stuff to solve you, you create a mind map of that's those cities a lot better i think interesting <clears throat> well it's, it's a shame because uh, i am fond of the series i will probably still play this mm. but like uh 
maybe in bursts, so I'm not being too worn down by the con the repetition of like yeah um, yeah of, uh, of those those missions. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's I couldn't recommend it. I mean, I'm not I've not settled on a score yet, but it's not going to be that high. Um, not helped, of course, by the uh, quality of the port. Yeah, I mean, I've really like quite a few bugs. <clears throat> yeah, if, you, if you're been, on Twitter or Reddit, you'll see some. Yeah spectacular I've had a few glitches. amusing ones but nothing as bad as I've seen online I, I might have just lucked out mm. but um, yeah it's, it's I wanted to like it I mean I requested to review it I think because I love Mafia too. but I mean the best thing that come out, has come out of it is that I've gone back to replay Mafia 2 <laughs> and I'm, I'm, re, uh, I'm reliving that and enjoying that again because it's just got so much life Mafia 3 is a really like muddy so slightly soulless game Wow. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel attached to it. I didn't feel charmed by it at all. There's not just nothing to match. Sort of Vito and Joe running amok, in uh in the fifties and having a colourful, fun crime time. This is like a serious, like brooding, quite by the numbers revenge story that I don't really feel that invested in. First one was amazing as well. Like, um, yeah. uh, where you play is this. I think like a cab driver just gets pulled into it. I don't even think he's like Italian American, but like um, just gets involved in this crime syndicate, which is a really nice angle. And he tells the story to a reporter, and that's the framing device of that one. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame. Like, it shouldn't mm. a mafia game shouldn't be, you know, forgettable or mm. or, or lack uh, <clears throat> personality. That's a real shame. Yeah. Um, oh well, never mind. Uh, we, we should probably also just do something about game characters who are ridiculously stupid in the way they go about achieving their goals specifically you mentioned how they destroy the drugs and things that <laughs> yeah. they need which reminds me of the division where when you're oh, yeah. um you've, you've got to protect supplies from bandits who are not coming to rescue the supplies so they can live and yeah. survive they, they, they come destroy to destroy them, them <laughs> just out of pure malice <laughs> yeah haven't they just done a sort of soft reset on uh, the division's combat to make oh, it better. That's what, I heard, that's what I hear. It's had like quite, a, quite a major revision. Huh. Anyway, a revision to the division. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it will be enough to get me back. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see all of New York once and then I'm, then I'm yeah. done, I think. Mm. Um, okay, cool. So moving on then to Battlefield 1, Phil. Yeah. You went to EA last week to play it. Um, you can't talk about all of it now? No, I can't. There, there are a uh, confusing series of embargoes. <laughs> uh, I, I, as right now, I can talk about a few things. Okay. I have to be very careful because I... Don't entirely remember which. Okay. <laughs> which I, I won't go into any specifics on maps, basically, because I don't remember which ones I can talk about and which ones I can't. Right. Okay. Um, what can you talk about then? What I can talk about uh, two things. Um, one is the single player, or a couple of um, episodes from the single player, and the other, I guess, is the multiplayer in general, okay. focusing on like the stuff that you can do in maps that applies to everything. So with the single player, yeah. Um, I don't think Battlefield has a particularly good reputation for single-player options. Probably um, not, no. I, th I guess Bad Company was the series that tried the hardest, and even those were kind of rote, linear, first-person shooter adventures. There yeah. wasn't anything particularly it's, amazing about them. It's true. But um, you sounded quite positive on yeah, this. Yeah, surprisingly up on it. Um, so the framing device for this is uh, that they're, they're war stories, so it's an anthology series, essentially. And um, each mission is with a different character at a different period, um, at a different place in the war. And you go through um, 
you basically ju- it just tells a story of that specific person. The actual the first mission, the sort of prologue, is kind of more of a tone piece where uh, you inhabit lots of people, and you know it's it's that thing of trying to show kind of how um, in industrial like the killing was uh, in this war specifically, like the idea of trench warfare and people being just mowed down, lives being cheap and this kind of departure from the idea of war as kind of a glorious, honourable thing into just slaughter. Mm. Um, it's kind of that. It's the thing of trying to trying to show the war with some respect, right. whatever respect means when it comes to war. Uh, well, it's probably not a headshot counter, is it? It's probably not, <laughs> no. But like, I, it's. I, I think some people kind of equate respect to being serious and dour which is yeah i I mean i'd make an argument to say one of the most respectful texts on the first world war is blackadder goes forth which treats it with you know a great deal it's only one of the least boring ones (laughs) (laughs) um, even saving private ryan's got tons of humor in it more than it gets credit for i think we're all the between the the horrific battles there's tons of great banter and back and forth with the, the soldiers that's Part of the it's part of war in it camaraderie. And, yeah, yeah, that. exactly. And you, you, so you get a lot of it in these because they're not tied down. Uh, what I mean, what Dice specifically said was the idea of a single soldier or a single group of soldiers who went through and did everything in every theatre of war and basically won it for them as, as a sole, sole operatives. Just that's ridiculous. <laughs> went from the Somme to horseback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, you just you can't really naff craft a. A, a, a believable campaign out of that. So, so how many episodes are there of this? Uh, I think, including the prologue, there are six. Probably about an hour each. Say. Then, yeah, it was a decent chunk. The the main one that I played was probably like an hour to an hour and a half. It, it took place across like four missions, um, and displayed you know quite a bit of variety. So, uh, you'll have seen it in the trailers. It's like people in a tank there's a cutscene of people in a tank and somebody shoots a gun in there and he's all like oh, i'm deaf for a bit and <laughs> yeah i do remember that you do remember that, I remember so. that oddly har- being oddly harrowing to watch um, yeah uh, in, a, in a way like uh, you but know. yeah so this episode i think it's called something like through um, mud and blood or you know those two things do rhyme yeah exactly and um it follows this tank crew and uh, first they're patrol you know they're, they're going along with the soldiers and they're clearing out places and capturing points and then things go a bit awry and they're on their own for a bit and it's there, there's a nice progression of styles um, and variety of combat even though you know you're basically just either driving or kind of following a tank around and trying to protect this one thing mm. um but within that, they can sort of they can touch on the stories of camaraderie. Like that's the episode where it's these group of disparate people who are trying to find, you know, get through this adverse situation. Um, There's only men getting off. There's always uh, some suggestion of that in uh, in war fiction. Not really. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could ship some of the characters if you really wanted to. I look forward to doing that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that would be an interesting branch branch of Tumblr if it happens, but. <laughs> I'm all for like them uh, making these stories like genuinely sort of compelling and mm. like there's not really a like over here they teach you uh, World War One poetry like yes. and most of it I'll be honest is really fucking boring to learn about and like I read I had to read Regeneration by Pat Barker which is a truly atrocious novel 
And like, there's not like World War Two where there's quite a broad array of popular fiction about yeah. it. Um, so that sounds kind of interesting. But they do like it's. I wouldn't say it was light and breezy, but you know there are touches of humour, and some people go into it with a sort of adventurous spirit. And whether that will be beaten out of them over the course of harrowing, yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, probably. That's but one time you, you might it. get to play a game of football. But sometimes there'll be a joke. So that's <laughs> you know fine. Um, and there are some nice stealth sections in there. Some interesting, like just full-on combat encounters. Um, a, a bit where you're in a tank and you've got to shoot lots of other tanks. You know how video games work. Ah, <laughs> oh, sounds alright. Um, so, so what about the multiplayer then? Uh, so, for the multiplayer, um, do you want to check what you can talk about? Or? No, I'm, I think I'm safe in saying <laughs> that uh, it's very infantry-focused. Um, a set of modes. I don't know which modes I can specifically talk about. I mean, you well, know, you can Con- probably guess that Conquest, Conquest is going to be yeah. in there. Like, um, <laughs> well, what's what was maybe the... Rush would be in there? Who knows? <laughs> uh, what was in the beta? Maybe we can talk about that instead. Uh, that was Conquest predominantly, and I think they had Rush for a bit. And um, they've made some changes since the beta. So I think a lot of people gave them feedback about tanks and stuff being quite overpowered and that's partly because they are yeah well that's partly because you just don't have the tools to really deal with them um that's if anything the main difference the the past has is that people don't just carry shoulder mounted anti-tank launchers everywhere i played it briefly at, at gamescom and like um i found that the tank was the only time i really stood a chance because i think the problem with it is you you can still and man it and activate it properly even if you're just by yourself rather than having a teammate in there right. that, that was the problem with it I found all the other vehicles required a second person yeah I think that's still pretty much the case um, the thing is uh, they seem to have reduced the timer of like tank spawning and plane spawning to the point where they didn't really make an impact on any of the matches that I played mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's just a case of I played it in a room full of games journalists who are not really a great uh, a group of people to test the life of a multiplayer game. <laughs> no YouTubers then? Um, there were very few inf- influencers. Okay, yeah. I was not influenced very much because <clears throat> usually they um, they're a lot better because they they, they usually yeah. just, that one game is the thing they they talk about. Uh, no, a mix of uh, UK and European press. So you know. You... So you won every game? Uh, won quite a few games. <laughs> Came top a couple of times representing PC Gamer. Yeah. Nice. There was there was a moment where at the start of the event, I don't know, I don't know why I'm telling tales on people, but. <laughs> Uh, a, a large portion of the UK journalists, because we were playing on PCs at the time, were just like, can we have some pads? Have got any control pads? <laughs> and they just sat there playing with control pads. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope the, you're not on the, my team. We're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> we're the very worst. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So uh, anything else about the multiplayer? So yeah, um, like I say, the, because the, inf- the infantry is like the focus, it will be interesting to see how it... Um, gels as like a battlefield game i guess i always picture battlefield multiplayer as being kind of chaotic and you know you're running away from tanks and planes are flying overhead doing their thing and all these things are sort of happening at once uh, and this seemed to be a bit more slow paced and considered just because there wasn't that that same chaos because there wasn't quite the range of things happening at once but it is a good shooter like I, I I really enjoy a lot of the weapons and the limitations that those weapons bring. Uh, like you don't have these like high rate of fire, deadly 
weapons that can you know have a huge range and kill people from the other side of the map um, you, you are whichever build you pick you are restricted are you restricted by like rate of fire or by load times uh, the medic's got this kind of uh, rifle where you have to sort of you know it's a bolt action type thing so between each shot you've got to take a moment and pause and right. then go back in and that that creates quite a different rhythm of combat to say the assault class uh, or the I really like the scouts as well, which are the snipers. Um, it's a lot better having that kind of... The, the limitations on them really help with just the general problem of snipers in games, which is that, you know, just having constant fire from across the map, headshotting and killing you, it's a lot harder. I mean, you can kill people in one shot, but also if you miss, that other person's got a really good chance of getting away from you because you've got to take a few seconds to... Re you've got to come out of zoom... You've got to reload. You've got to oh, go back right. in, and it means that if you're really good with it, you'll do well. If you're not, then you're not. You can't just sort of brute force your way to being effective. So, without, I'm not really that familiar with Battlefront to be honest. But like, um, do you think? Uh, sorry, Battlefield. Yeah. Um, so, do you think that uh, Battlefield Four players who were disappointed by that game for several reasons, they might more their sort of thing like does it feel more like an old battlefield game i don't know if it does feel like old battlefield as much as i it, it almost feels like a new thing um interesting it does sound like there's quite a lot of moving parts yeah it, um it's like i do wonder if it captures that same feeling as like battlefield does when it's at its best but at the same time i don't think what it's transitioned <clears> to <throat> is necessarily a bad thing yeah. i think it could just be a, an effective and uh quite tactical uh objective based shooter and uh, that in itself could well be enough to mm. to make it something interesting like i don't know whether it's the sort of thing that'll hold uh, our art editor's attention for the next year or two or okay. however long until the next battlefield but he's got to play something he's got to play something <laughs> he only plays one game so this is know. certainly something um <laughs> okay i think generally i'm also quite glad to be back in an old war I think I was ready for those old st war <laughs> stories again. Remember back in like the 2000s when it was nothing but Medal of Honor and yeah, I like that. Whatever, and it was like we hit a point where everyone was kind of sick of World War Two. I missed World War Two, man. Yeah, and and that's it. And then we went yeah. to Modern Warfare, and everyone was like, "Holy shit!" It's like this changes everything, and it did change everything, yeah. but it changed it too much. I'm, I miss uh, you know those M1 Garand, the clip going ding. Yeah, you get a lot of that sort uh, of thing. Yeah, a lot of clips. It just goes full circle. Now we're sick of of the future. We want the past again, then we'll get sick of the past. I mean, we want the future again. As bad as this is to say, I mean, the good thing about World War II <laughs> is it offers a lot of very tunja, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we're being honest, like there's a lot of biomes in, yeah. uh, in World War II. Yeah. It's got everything, yeah. the ice level, it's got, it, <laughs> the jungle God. level, the lava level. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not. Is but... that what we call Northern Africa? <laughs> the lava level. Um, yeah, like, uh, it's uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I really like the look of it. Like... Uh, and I don't mind the exaggerated elements of here's a train with loads of guns on it. And yeah, fuck it. Here's a stupid airship. Here's a like. big airship. I mean, it looks genuinely <clears throat> impressive when that airship crashes. Oh, it's, you just sort of stop for a second and watch it, and then a sniper headshot. Did you shout all like, the oh. humanity? <laughs> oh, I did not, because, headset. yeah. 
Well, I might actually just play through the campaign of this then, because uh, yeah. I, I sense that the community will just thin out to be amazing people straight away, and then I'll just be permanently I mean, sad. So possibly, I like, the trick with Battlefield 4, if you ever want to get into it for a few multiplayer games, is there are servers specifically designed to kick out anybody with a de- kill-death ratio of more than, like, <laughs> 1.05. So it's, My like, people. <laughs> shit people only in here, and I've been playing on those, and they're great. It's like, I could get kills, but also... There's, there's bound to be an influx of people because of all the DLC they've given away as well, isn't Yeah, it? that's true. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, Battlefield 1 then. Anything else to yeah, add, Phil? I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, it's one of those, like, we'll need to test it in the live environment before we can actually do a proper review. And also, I'll need to know what I'm allowed to talk about <laughs> before we can go into any, any more details. But yeah, like, I came in, like, really looking forward to the idea of the multiplayer and excited to see where Battlefield was going in that regard. But I came out thinking, actually, yeah, no, I'm really interested in this as a single player um, series of stories. And I know it's bad to say, but I guess there's only six, but they'll probably expand that down the line. I mean, if you've got an anthology series that's like tailor-made to do what games companies do, which is release extra chapters and... That's true, but does anyone play Battlefield for single player? Like, I imagine... I don't think anyone does necessarily, but if they then do a good single player game, I don't know why you wouldn't... It's coming... It feels like it's coming back in vogue, the uh, single player campaign, doesn't it? Yeah. um, Infinite Warfare stuff looking pretty good, and you know, Titanfall 2, James mm. Davenport played that, really liked it. And yeah, it seems like single player in multiplayer shooters. If that's coming back, then who knows? World War 2 can only be next, surely. <laughs> um, I remember it's around Medal of Honor Airborne that people just had enough of it, and yeah, like, oh, I think oh, so. Yeah, yeah, and in that game, you had to fight super Nazis, which is really daft. Well, that's um, uh, that's a problem, like they had to go bigger and better. I mean, the Medal of Honor games were good, and then the Call of Duty original ones were really good, and then the Medal great. of Honor was like, well, how do we respond to super Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> That was it. Ooh, Call of Duty. Okay. Call of Duty Two was the ultimate uh, World War Two game, I think. Yeah. Uh, or, or Allied Assault. Um, both very good. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> cool. All right. Well, that's uh, that's good to know. Mm. Um, okay. Then so those are our big games for the uh, for the episode. But I've been playing some smaller ones. Nice. And so's Phil to some extent. Yeah. I've been playing Cluster Truck, a mm. game that has quite blatantly been made for streamers uh, as a kind of novelty game, where kind of looks in trailers like Mirror's Edge, where you're jumping between trucks. Um, and trying to reach an endpoint. Yeah. Randomly moving physics trucks. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's it's big physics game. Loads of trucks moving in some direction, um, and then um, yeah, you have to reach this endpoint, and that can they can they vary up the uh, the challenge design. So you have one where the trucks are coming towards you. You have one where you have to jump off like a freeway and onto a set of trucks moving below you, um, which are probably some of the best levels actually when they figure out some sort of interesting <coughs> puzzle elements for how they use the. Uh, the game, but at the same time, it's a novelty game, yeah. and um, but it is a novelty game I played thirty levels of on a really sad Thursday. That's impressive <laughs> and or tragic, and I don't know which. Well, because... People people do seem to like it, right? Like, or at least it seems that people seem to be talking about it in some way. Yeah, but, but that is because when you get to the menu, it says, "Are you a streamer?" Click here on one of the <laughs> options. I think. What does that do? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. I just think I was just sick in my mouth, and then I just carried on playing. But you know, um, no, it's it's just uh, it, it obviously wants people to stream it and like YouTubers to go. Oh my god, trucks! Yeah. Which is actually <laughs> what I assume YouTubers do yeah. as Guys. a member of the traditional press. Yeah, but like Let's jump on some trucks. I can see why it's fun for that. Like it is, it is instantaneously quite enjoyable in terms of. <laughs> Phil just pulled a face. <laughs> you just sort of, I don't know, like, it does feel quite nice to land, like, a really good specific jump from, like, one set of trucks to another. However, it's incredibly, like, floaty jump system. Yeah. And to say it's kind of skill based might be a bit disingenuous. To some extent, it is, but yeah. That was my big problem with it, um, was 
so if you touch the floor at all, or even if you touch some sort of vertical rocks or whatever, you just die instantly. And yeah. That's kind of dumb. But so, so my big problem was because it's a physics-based game, everything that happens is fairly random. Like you can you can predict trends of what might happen to the trucks, but like there's a lot of variables within that. And yeah, it's not like it's trials. A, yeah, exactly. Is always moving. It's a game with a you know a, a high skill ceiling and. Um, a sense of randomness that makes it very hard to get good at the thing you're trying to do. And I found that incredibly frustrating. And also it was slightly floaty to jump. Yeah. I, I really disliked it quite <laughs> early. Like within 10 minutes of playing, it was like, I'm deleting this forever. Yeah, well, we didn't. It's <clears> off my hard drive now and it's unlikely to come back. Um, it's the sort of thing as well. I think it costs over £10 and it should definitely cost 5 Like, um, what was that physics game? Besieged, was it? Oh yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah. Which people really liked and built some amazing creations in. That mm. was like, I think that was a fiver or like seven quid, something like that. And that's like, um, that was you know way more than a novelty game, but had some really interesting physics and looked nice. This is just like, I don't know. This feels like five pound of game to me. I feel like I got five pound worth of fun out of it. And I know I talk about price a lot on this podcast, but you know your your pennies are valuable. And um, yeah, cluster truck didn't really get it, Phil. No, it's a weird thing. Although I did unlock some extra abilities, you can get like. Um, you can sprint so you can jump further and there's like a double jump as well and i think there's some fancier abilities in that there might be a grappling hook or something and there are a couple of like quite nice set, nice set pieces where you'll see like trucks go off like a bridge in midair and you have to hop between them to try and reach the end and that requires some quite specific timing and skill and they can be good you'll never know though will well, you? i'll never know because i'll have to get past like the couple of levels i played that were total bullshit and annoyed me <laughs> I, i've probably got less than a pound's worth of enjoyment in this. um but i'm not a streamer so i'm clearly not the target audience no no exactly and um you're right though like uh it's that thing where if the game doesn't repeat itself level to level why does it have leaderboards that makes no sense mm. um so being number one is just a matter of luck it's seeing where the trucks fall and does it work in your favor like it's a daft game um, yeah, and that's Cluster Truck. I've also been playing Slayer Shock, mm. um, which we didn't give a particularly glowing review to on PCGamer.com. That was 55% for that one Yeah, uh, from Fraser Brown. And um, yeah, I, uh, it's kind of like meant to be sort of procedural, procedurally generated sort of like Buffy em up, where you play as a vampire slayer with some friends in like this town, and you have to stop the different regions of the town from becoming overrun by monsters. And that requires you basically going into these randomly generated levels of, uh, you know, like a like a kind of like graveyardy environment with a cave <coughs> and like um, a town, little town area, university, and basically completing the objective, which is usually to save someone or kill like special vampires or, and yeah, kill a number of elite vampires or yeah, and just the- just go to a checkpoint and come back mm. the patrol missions. Which I quite like. You could just leg it there and back. It was. That's easy. the best one. That is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you get that, you're like, I've, I've, yes. I'm, I'm in. Done it. Yeah, and you do find yourself trying to sort of cheese it because it's quite. It's probably slightly too hard. I think. Um, to like. But certainly early on, like I really struggled up until I got like a couple of weapon upgrades, and that made it a lot more simple. Yeah. So it's from Minor Key Games, who made Neon Struct, which Andy reviewed last year and mm. and liked, I believe. Yeah, I think that's their best game. I've played all of them actually. Eldritch. Previewed Slayer Shock, and I think Neon Strikes, yeah, it's just like a really well designed Deus Ex homage mm. that doesn't, has like no art, like the art's almost non existent, but it's just, yeah, really... you can say the same about this one as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I'd love to see 
I was going to say them, but it's one man. I'd love to see him. I think it's him and his brother. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I think he's the main, like, yeah, I think his brother brother's... helps out. Yeah, oh, right, yeah. I'd yeah. love to see them or him hire an artist. Because he, he's, he's yeah. got a great eye for um, systems and, mm, really good. and immersive semi-type design. I'd love to see a neon struct with, like, some art. I'd kind of like, yeah, I'd like to pretend that I was okay mm-hmm. with, like, quirky art styles and sort of strange DIY-looking aesthetics. But I'm not. I'm a snob and... Really wish he had some art. It's that, it's that thing where, like, I just think it would like lift the game in so many mm. ways because, like, the monsters are are quite quite cool archetypes, and I do I do really like the systems in it, even though the stealth's quite hard to figure out sometimes. Like, yeah, I really struggled with that. You get some abilities later on that make it a lot easier, and I, I like the fact that as you go, you get better weapons, mm. and like, I think get like a wood katana, and yeah, the AI was a little too like because they're in procedural. Because they're in procedural environments, and I assume they're acting procedurally as well, they, they, they felt too random to me. Like, I didn't believe that they were creatures actually intelligently patrolling an area as much as they'd walk away and then they'd just randomly turn. And I, maybe, maybe they do, and I'm just, I wasn't being fair to it, but that's kind of the impression I got from its systems. Well, that's probably fair enough. I think it's actually probably slightly better as a combat game than as a stealth game. Yeah, that's what I transitioned to. And- enjoyed it a lot more yeah getting like a water pistol and then like these varied weapons and um and a crossbow which is cool and it does achieve the nice sort of like buffy style effect of you stake a vampire and there's quite a satisfying noise which does sound like a dude making a noise of a vampire (laughs) being staked in buffy which i liked and there's like a there's like a tv season element to it isn't there where there's a big bad yeah each each level is titled like so1 or e 15 or whatever based um, on how many episodes through you are yeah and the big bads you I, I didn't actually get to the end of mine but mine's called edward the invincible i think and um i, I think assume at some point after i've researched the necessary things i can go confront him but, yes um but yeah like um what was yours called and did you beat him i think peregrine the betrayer <laughs> nice. and yes <laughs> yeah um we confronted him and had a big big final showdown yeah um yeah yeah, that was good. Yeah, that's but cool. then it seemed to sort of load up into the second season, <clears throat> and nothing had changed. It was just everything had sort of reset, um, and it was clear like my next objective was do the same five like mission types again and again for another big bad. Yeah, and at that point I was just like, oh wow, that's I've kind of done the game, and you just want me to do it like four or five more times. Mm. And maybe there is more stuff and more interesting things happened, but. And get the sense of that, and based on Fraser's review, I'm not sure that much does happen beyond no, it's, that. It's a shame. It feels like there's a good basis for a game, yeah. for a, for a, a better game here with like um, with more stuff in it, like more in, types of environment to see. Because you do get so used to those same places. Yeah, the procedural generation really doesn't change things enough. I mean, right. especially on like the map that's in a farm where you just it's crop fields and buildings, and I, I mean maybe the buildings are in a different location. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, Crop fields and buildings. All the combat interactions feel really good, and like it's it's uh, it's amazing for one person to have made it. But mm. like, um, and the music's good as well. I think he did his own music. Yeah, um, that was. So, yeah, so it's uh, so it's it's not quite the Buffy game I wanted it to be. But like, uh, <clears throat> a Neon Struck looked like a better match for their art style as well because it's really simple. Kind yeah, of that actually flames. looked sort of Stylish. like a stylistic <laughs> choice, didn't it? Rather yeah. than just we don't have art, so mm. here's this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm a yeah. A bitch today, but <laughs> really, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, um, okay, cool. So I think we're gonna take a brief break, and then we'll have some reader questions for you. Yes. Yes. Let's do that. Cool.
welcome back. Uh, we had to take a brief break there while Phil found the questions on his yeah. phone. Um, so these are from Twitter. What do mm. you have for us, Phil? Pharaoh uh, Steve asks, what's the one console exclusive you'd want to see come to PC to really take advantage of advanced hardware? Oh, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want people to think I'm a console gamer, Phil. I like, know about any of that stuff. <laughs> you don't know any of them. <laughs> I was with the. Uh, I, I thought of some before you finished the question. Well, what console games would you like to see in PC? There's loads there, but then you went on to say that take advantage of the hardware. Like, there's no, there's no console games. I think that. I'd love to see. Maybe it like, just means in a graphic sense. Yeah. yeah. Is there none you'd like to see like run at sixty frames per oh, second, yeah. one hundred and twenty blood frames? Yeah, that second, makes sense. Whatever. I was thinking more like yeah, like see The Last of Us, but even more, even prettier. I don't know, but yeah, Last you, of Us. Last I'd like of, to play that on PC. You can though. You, you can on you now. Can. T- on uh, not now TV. That's the other thing. But it's the it? PlayStation now. It's the PS. It's the PS3 version now. I'd like to play the PS4. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Sexy version on, on modern. Computery hardware. It is nice, and the uh, the DLC for that I would argue is better than the main game. That's really good. Yeah, I never play that? played that. No, oh, it's really good. That is. Yeah, um, yeah. That that was a really good survival horror thing. Uh, yeah, with a lot of story. Um, I'd like Akami to come on PC actually. Yeah, play that and Mega and fourteen forty p super crisp. That's, 60 frames. That seems quite likely to me. Because yeah. um, they did a <laughs> version. emulators exist. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have played it on a PS2 um, emulator. Um, blown up to. HD and it looks because of the art style. It yeah. looks it it's looks look like you could release it on PC like that and it would be fine. Like, yeah, they yeah. released the um, they released a PS3 HD version like a few years ago and mm. that looks amazing. Like uh, oh, yeah. there's no reason. That, I mean, Capcom's now porting everything to PC. Yeah. Like, it does seem like they're getting better at that. Yeah, so hopefully there's loads it's of other games, stuff like Beautiful Joe. I'd like to see in PC and yeah, like, a lot of the like Killer Seven and I- I'm really pleased they like bought the Resi remake over. Like that yeah. was, uh, that's one of the best Resi games ever, and they just bought it to PC last year. That's really cool. Bayonetta, that's not Capcom, but along the same lines. That's cool. Yeah, that, that's well. one that would really benefit from just Japanese running games. at a really nice frame rate. Yeah. And, I'd like because really, I originally played the PS3 version of that, and it was garbage. Yeah, frame rate wise. I'd like the remaining Final Fantasy games come to PC 12 and 15. Um, yeah, Persona 4 or 5 would be good as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, these are probably likely to happen at some point. Like it, mm. we are at that stage now, but we're getting weird stuff like Danganronpa and the Silver Case, and yeah, these weird. Are there Japanese, any like uh, Sony first party or Microsoft first party games that probably definitely won't? Shadow of the Colossus HD definitely won't, but it'd be nice to see that on PC. That would be lovely. Again, yeah, you can emulate really that nice on HD if you're a legal crime man. <laughs> <laughs> the HD edition of that they released on PS3 was lovely as well. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see, I really want to play that Spider Man game, and I really, I wish they were releasing that on. Uh, on PC, the one that Insomniac are making. I want Skate Three to come to PC. Oh yes, Skate! I love the Skate series and just any Skate game, even the uh, first Skate. They, they, the Microsoft, the Microsoft backwards compatibility thing for the Xbox One has said it's coming to backwards compatible thing for about a year now, and it hasn't. And yeah. I'm annoyed about that because that would be one extra use of my Xbox One I was on top of the two I already have. I would love it, right? If Windows 10, you could emulate 360 games on it as yeah, well with the Xbox be, One. That would be fantastic. Be great, yeah. yeah, that would make people because like it slightly more. <laughs> that would make people like it slightly yeah. more because we could play Red Dead then. That's yeah, because yeah. if you could put, the, yeah, just put the disc in and. and yeah, great. It's the thing where we've got like um, the best variety of games on any platform on PC by fucking miles, but like uh, there's still those. There's always more, yeah. yeah. And it's also that it's also a preservation thing. Is I don't want to have to keep old consoles forever <clears throat> to play this stuff. I just want them in my Steam library, you know. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. one. Yeah, the good things about emulation. I mean, you know, people can whinge about the illegality of it, especially if there's like versions available for new consoles that have been slightly upresed or whatever. But yeah, yeah you, you know, realistically, I'm. 
my my PS3 is never getting turned on again because it's not a good console. It was just sort of sometimes <laughs> a marriage of convenience. Sometimes it was yeah. the only place you could play some of these things. Yeah, um, I don't think they'll, uh, they'll ever emulate PS3 and Xbox 360 because of the protection stuff. So. 360 seems more likely, doesn't yeah. it? PS3, I think, will never happen. Yeah. That PS now is a, a decent-ish middle ground, though. Yeah, like, yeah. considering those, there would have been no way to play those games. Tony on PC Game is going to play The Last of Us. Actually, mm. um, she's going to try and blitz it on the seven-day trial. I was like, fair enough. Sounds good. Um, what else you got, Phil? Uh, Kid has a fairly simple question: Why is PC so amazing? Uh, Variety of games, <laughs> customization. Uh, endless back catalog <laughs> emulation, uh, yeah, high, 40, high 40 resolution monitors, cheaper yeah. games, cheaper games, Steam sales, Steam, mm, yeah, Origin, Gog. Gog is awesome as well. <laughs> you play, uh, yeah, you play. I was joking about all of them. You play is all right these yeah, days. Yeah, I see. It's clean. I quite actor. like Origin yeah. these days. I've not gotten bored with you play yet. But yeah. it's, they've given away Rayman Origins. Oh, that's the true. Crew, yeah. Beyond yeah. Good and Evil. Prince of Persia, that's amazing. That's and the interface free is games. nice as well. Origin gave away Red Alert that one time. <laughs> that's true. That was good. And um, Need for Speed Most Wanted, they gave away yeah. as well. You can get so many free games on PC. Like it's yeah. uh, it's, it's it's good. It's yeah, good. All, all those reasons. PC also, places like Itchio just have like huge catalogs of free games. Yeah, indie games, uh, weird experiments. Very weird. Games. Make your own games. That's true. Yeah. On game with Game Maker or Twine or whatever. PC games are amazing. They're great. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't do it any other way now. Make your make a game in your bedroom with no experience and sell millions of copies only on PC. Yeah, <laughs> Tom it's Francis the PC for guarantee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's cool. Okay, I think we answered that comprehensively. Yeah, cool. Uh, Philip Foster asks three questions. I'll pick one of them. Uh, what previously loved game were you most disappointed with when replaying it after a long time? Mm, interesting. That's a good question. I keep. I've never finished KOTOR, right? And I've okay. really struggled to get through those first few hours of that. Mm. Like, it's that combat system is not that exciting, and the, the 3D art, I think, is dated quite badly. So I'm struggling to get back into that again. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't think. Definitely <laughs> really, really should have collected these earlier yeah. in the day so we could have thought That's a good about question it. that I can't answer. Yeah. Sorry. No. Uh, There's a. I'll try to think of some other ones. Like, uh, I actually played Deus Ex Human Revolution lately, and. I thought the systems in that game are still really good, but I think you can see five years of progress. Yeah, you really can, can't mm-hmm. you? I was yeah. surprised looking at some screenshots recently, just yeah. thinking, wow, that has that's aged. You wouldn't think there's a year between that and Dishonored, put it that way. You no, play Dishonored for sure. Now in mm-hmm. like, Actually, know. Assassin's Creed 2, which I played, uh, absolutely loved at the time, it's great. and then went back to it fairly recently, and it just felt, like you said, time had, time had left it behind a little bit. It just felt a bit yeah, ropey. Yeah, I guess that was like what, seven years ago. Yeah, you know. At the time, I remember sitting up like till four a.m. playing that. Absolutely obsessed with it. And then, yeah, it looks it. You can play it. You know, you can pump the resolution up to like four K on PC now, and it looks quite sharp. But just the art and the fidelity of the world compared to some of the newer ones is a bit. It looks mm. a bit, yeah, boxy and yeah. old. For, yeah. as, for as much as I don't love three and Syndicate, <clears throat> they are they have some pretty nice looking uh, environments and yeah characters. Um, Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I guess it's games from that sort of period now as well. I sort of, um, I, but I am actually on a bit of an old game kick at the moment, and uh, yeah. I'm finding it. I'm finding the original Deus Ex surprisingly easy to play, even okay. with the weird reticule thing. Yeah, um, I played that recently. I think it still, it still holds up. Yeah, I think so. Like, all the, it's like it's not. It's definitely not a good shooter, but like no. it's, um, it's. I don't know. The, the levels are lovely and big. It's still, uh, still a really cool 
ambitious game with. I think you, yeah, you just sort of accept it for what it is. Yeah, like, and it's got a lot of compromises. Well, not compromises, but odd design choices that you wouldn't make if you were making a game today. But I think once you've sort of passed them and accepted them, it's you, they're fairly easy to get through. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's fair enough. And about to try and play Bioshock again, the first one as well. One thing, one thing. Playing this is a complete tangent, sort of. But one thing that playing Slayer Shock sort of made me realise is how difficult it would be for an indie team to make. Because I always thought the good thing about like the way, yes, AAA is all chasing graphical fidelity or whatever now, but indie devs would be able to come in and make games that were in sort of the Deus Ex style. You know, they, they might not look as good, but they could be like that breadth of systems and mm. size. Um, I sort of played it and realised, oh no, they can't because it's still just one person that can't really create all that content and handcraft it. And what? it's like that's probably still a massive undertaking, <laughs> even if you're not trying to. Yeah, Day Sex is enormous. You've got like uh, New York, Hong Kong, There's Paris, just so much going Area on. Area Fifty One um, and all those little bits in between the MG Twelve facilities. Like, it's enormous. It makes me yeah. think, like, are games like that just gone? Like of that size and detail? I I don't know. Like we've got. Um... Both Ultima, old no Underworld Ascendant and mm. uh, System Shock Three coming up, <clears throat> like um, both made by System Shock Three, maybe the litmus test. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you can make a game as long as the original Deus Ex with the demands of today's graphics. No, that's why uh, Mankind that. Divided is one city. Like, yeah, like, exactly. Imagine uh, that, that, that's yeah, that, and, and you see like yeah, Mankind Divided, and you think yeah, well that's what that's what Deus Ex looked like as a AAA game yeah. made in this. Decade. Imagine they tried to make, yeah, Hong Kong, Paris, New York, with that fidelity, like now. It probably is just a case if I do want a team to sort of get together and do like the crowdfunded Pillars of Eternity style thing, but for an immersive sim of that era. Yeah, Yeah. I I think System Shock Three will be as close as we get because it's got so many of the original like uh, Ultima Underworld, Deus Ex sort of like people working Mm. on it. Like uh, yeah, and uh, some talented ex irrational people as well. Hopefully, there's it's good and there's an audience for it and then that might persuade some more you're right though there should probably be more than there are like yeah. um like you said it's been every other genres pretty much had like some kind of indie we've had a lot of resurrections even rts to an extent although it seems like all the attempts there have been a bit they've fallen flat a bit yeah a little bit i think that's been uh that's just a harder genre to push forward and like it, that genre just seems to be starcraft now as well yeah yeah yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, any other questions on Twitter, Phil? There are lots. Uh, sorry, I got distracted there. That's all right. Bye. Sorry, we haven't you answered in a while. You mentioned That's all right. Um, no, so I, I think that's probably the sort of thing people are interested in hearing us talk about. You know, it's just a uh, prey will obviously pick up some of that as well. Yeah. Uh, what video game series do you feel needs more innovation in sequels? Uh, also, which old games uh, would you like to see a new sequel for from Kyle Riggins? Well, Assassin's Creed. I was going to say Assassin's yeah, Creed. Yeah, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I wrote a lengthy post about this on the website about how it needs to get out of its comfort zone. And also one of the things I said is that it needs more time and it seems to be getting that. It, seems to be getting it does seem to be getting that. There's not going to be one next year either. Well, so. it's it, there might not be one next year. Yeah. They're open to the possibility of skipping. 2017. I still wasn't there meant to be a leaked screenshot of the weekend confirming it's set in like ancient Egypt or something. Uh, and there's it been has a lot of rumours about yeah. that. Yeah. Apparently, a crafting system. Oh, yeah. fuck. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'm hoping. Hateful. Uh, they did seem to be like the rumour was they're going for more of a kind of Witcher style feel. So hopefully, being more open. My problem with Assassin's Creed, it's always been too damn simple. I don't need platforming to be one button. See, the idea of 
of witcher style and expansive desert you're riding along on horseback across the desert and you see the pyramids poking out over the horizon that sounds amazing that's like true a lawrence of arabia type you know using empty space because assassin's creed now is like dense packed cities i'd like to see more country between cities like the idea of like riding down the nile i'm, I'm not being amazing. funny though there wasn't a lot around then, was there? <laughs> so <laughs> well, there, what are you climbing on? Well, there was, yeah, well, there was, I mean, there, no, there was, the the, the centre of um, Cairo and stuff was yeah. pretty built up. Well, it was civilization back it, then. So it's all just right. all in ruins now, but at the time there was big, massive arches and, and palaces and stuff like that. So I think it, between that, obviously, there's a lot of desert, but I like I like the idea of, of the mix of built up and um, empty expanses like The Witcher. I think that really worked there. When you yeah. go from, like, Novigrad to... Down for Valen, like if it was really yeah. different. I yeah. should say I don't think I yeah I don't I don't think Assassin's Creed has no value as it is. I think there's <clears> tons of amazing artists who work work on it. I just think that in a world where you've got rock stars, open world games, they're mm. far too simple. Um, yeah, and just yeah. the missions are all just, yeah. They need to just add variety instead of making you do the same thing over and over again. Mm. Which even the most recent Assassins, I played quite a lot of Syndicate actually, mm. enjoyed it, but I just got bored of the missions all being the same and being very prescribed. That very Ubisoft-style mission yeah. structure. Uh, any non-Ubisoft series? That... <laughs> yeah, I don't sound like I'm picking on Ubisoft, because I am <laughs> I know Far Cry is being like rebooted now, and I mm. really like Far Cry. Yeah, um, I, I mean, that could just be a case of... I think Primal got a bit of flack for being very similar to Far Cry's yeah. template. Uh, but I, but Primal's world is amazing. Like, it is, it's yeah. It's really gorgeous. I, 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 like, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I've been playing it recently, and I'm, yeah, really, really getting along with it. Yeah, it's cool. But... Um, I guess if they make a change to Far Cry now, they can sort of keep that series a bit fresher without going the Assassin's Creed route, where everybody is a little bit sick of it. Yeah, I'd say like um, for I'd I'd say that probably wouldn't mind the next Elder Scrolls or Fallout. Ha- yeah, I was revising yeah. that Oblivion yeah. structure. Um, that's yeah, they've stuck to their guns for a while, haven't they? Yeah, and yeah. you know, the, uh, there was a definite change between Morrowind and um, Oblivion that I think yeah, definitely. That their um, next game could I think do Oblivion's, with Oblivion and Skyrim kept to a sameness likewise more. fallout three and four yeah definitely uh um yeah no that's that's fair enough you I'd, can't see call of duty anymore they're in spaceships they're in space so still linear though isn't it yeah um and uh but then i the, I've, I've i've just accepted that's not for me i've got a good uh, answer to the second one though i would like to see a new knights of the old republic okay made by mm. bioware as it is now and, mm. uh, yeah yeah i bet they could do without any of the old republic stuff on it you know yeah dragon age graphics yeah, yeah, with like you know really realistic looking characters, yeah. and it's just single player only, and you, yeah. know, you pay forty pounds and you own it. Like you know, it's I'd not like, an MMO. It is a bit of a shame they're doing all these interesting Star Wars stories, and they seem to be completely they're, they're just sort of stuck in this MMO that we're probably never going to play. Yeah. Maybe it's a good MMO. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. I'd like an, an origins like... Dragon Age origin style um, uh, Kotor, where you don't have to be a Jedi. You can be like you can choose if you're a, a kid in the slums in Mos Eisley or. He grew up as a senator's daughter on Coruscant or something like mm. every. Uh, there was different origin stories leading you to it. I guess they can all, with an RPG though. The Jedi thing falls so neatly into the idea of an, an, a character awakening and yeah. becoming aware of an ability and, and then like a, a smuggler. It's just a thief class. Like you can you can vary that up. I think you know yeah. like um, have a quite a detailed class system. If you've got another Jedi in your party, there's no yeah. reason you can't play as switch to that character. Like you could in Dragon Age. You know. Yeah, um, I think I'd love to see that. Like a been able to play and have it different roles because I'm just sick of being a Jedi. I find the Jedi Jedi quite boring. Yeah, I think everyone's <laughs> at that point now. <laughs> yeah. That's why I, the rumour is that Amy Hennig's Star Wars game that she's making a Visceral is going to be a bit more uh, you know, 
Han Solo kind of character. Less mystical mysticism mm. and more um, just, yeah, cool Star Wars smuggling and bounty hunting. Crime. Yeah. Crime. Space I, crime. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing another thief that was just better than the last one. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the last one wasn't terrible. It, it was it quite nice. And it was quite satisfying just rooting through the drawers and breaking into places or whatever. But I think in the same way that um, Deus Ex kind of shifted to be more focused around one much more detailed city, mm. like Thief would really benefit from that because it had a hub structure, but it, you only could only go into a few doors in these places. Like it felt very closed off and hemmed in. And yeah, yeah, yeah using like the extra fidelity that they have now to do something with that could make it a lot more. You know, with more linear missions spiraling off of that, that yeah. Could be a, it's got no 360 or PS3 version now, which is a yeah, problem that the last one had. Definitely. Cool. Uh, yeah, they, yeah they, they could possibly do a really good job with that. That's cool. All right, then. So what else, Phil? Okay. Uh, Gareth Academy returns to ask... Uh, very loyal reader, Gareth Academy. After using mag freebies and having a go at Warframe, I found I really like it. What games have you tried on a whim and got hooked on? Um, trying to think. Well, first one, please, that he's enjoying the Warframe gift. That's good. Got uh, to get the nice Karis blade going. That's cool. Yeah, um, especially because me and Phil were. <laughs> oh God! How many times did you have to run that intro to I've... test those codes? Oh yeah, I tested the intro, the the code like five times. It's crazy. Um, I think I only anyway. had to do it once or twice. So that was Rocket right. League was one for me where yeah. I bought, bought the Steam mm. controller and got a free copy and never had any intention to play it, and then immediately, yeah, that's a good one for got, me. Got stuck in it. Um, uh, yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. Uh, grow, grow up. I bought on a, oh, yeah, a Steam yeah, sale and got really into that. Got really into that for a couple of days. Yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, slightly <clears throat> furry, so ew, um, but uh, good Sonic-like platformer, Freedom Planet, which is oh yeah, really quite like really strong take on a two D style Sonic game uh, that John Blythe originally recommended in their back. Um, also, uh, I've actually just recently started playing The Saboteur again, uh, which is now on GOG for some reason. But um, that's uh, I quite that like that game. No longer stands for good old games. <laughs> <laughs> it stands for seven out of ten. Um, it's from it's from Pandemic, who made Star Wars Battlefront, and you play like an Irish freedom fighter in France, like getting rid of the Nazis, and the city's all black and white. And when you liberate one area, it turns color again. Such a weird idea. Like... I remember playing that and um, climbing to the top of the Eiffel Tower and jumping off. And as he was falling, he just went, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. There was no like, there was he, no like, ah, he just went, fucking hell. Because there's an, I think there's an achievement for doing it, isn't there? Yeah. And like, if you land in the pool afterwards, you survive. Uh, like, um, yeah, such a weird game. Yeah, he plays like a sort of uh, foul mouthed drunkard of an Irishman, which is a slight stereotype. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and you, uh, yeah, you, you were, isn't it like you, yeah, like the Nazi occupied areas are all bleak and monochrome, and then you uh, liberate it and it gets so colourful and there's like people on the streets drinking and dancing yeah. and stuff. That's quite, that's a cool, mad idea that. That would never get made now, would it, as a, tri- a AAA game? No, it was, it was weird then. Like, yeah. It came out the year Assassin's Creed 2 came out, which was it's so similar to Assassin's Creed that I think it got overshadowed. But yeah. it's actually perfectly solid, and yeah, it's, it's good fun. But um, yeah, how about you, Phil? Do you play many games on a whim? Um, like I'll, I'll load up some free things on itch.io or whatever. I've kind of fallen out of that habit. Uh, ever since I stopped writing top 10 downloads for PC Gamer. What a surprise. <laughs> so there's less things that I'm suddenly like, oh, that was amazing. But yeah, like, plenty of free games at the time will come along and be like, 
Um, I actually have put some of them in must play in this month's magazine. I've just oh, gone good. back through some of the archives and thought, oh, these were cool things that I played. I'm trying to sort of broaden my horizons a bit now, and I've bought loads of shit recently in uh, different sales, so maybe I'll talk about those in subsequent mm. episodes. Um, it's not so much a whim as I buy things on a whim, and then I like get around to it at some point in the next five years, or sometimes don't. Yeah, same where I've played recently on a whim as well. I'm kind of enjoying it, but no, the monster stuff isn't that good, isn't it? The people were right about that. It's not a good stealth game, but the environments look amazing. Anyway, next question. Okay, um, that's all for Twitter, but on email we've got Ed Parry asking, uh, Hi PCG, mm. giving a score to a game at the end of the review is a format which many people would disagree with. What are your reasons for doing it? Would be great to hear your defence of the format. Uh, so I think review scores are fun. Um, and, uh, you know, percentages have always been in PC Gamer. <clears throat> it's, uh, yeah, ultimately the kind of reveal of it is adds a bit of a kind of an event to a review and it's it gives people like a, a quantifiable idea relative to our scoring system of what how a game ranks versus other games and mm. whether they should buy it or not. So I think it has genuine use. Like, um, I think a lot of the time people argue about like just 7 out of 10 mean average or whatever. They don't realise that not all outlets have to have different like review systems and we've got a very specific one and uh yeah we're, we're quite aware of it obviously we're not perfect all the time but we try our best and uh yeah that's my defense of it am i allowed to say i don't like them uh yeah if you you're like. allowed to yeah i don't really i don't i, I find the main reason why i think is a lot of people don't read the copy that you spend hours on uh, crafting and they'll look at the score that you spend maybe 10 minutes thinking of and, and judge a review based on that. I think having no scores would encourage people maybe to read the review more thoroughly. Maybe, um, but then I, if we were known as a site that didn't review things with a score, that might make people not read it at all. Like sometimes I think that you mm. know people click through to see what the yeah. score is. Otherwise, they might not have bothered at all. Yeah. So there's definitely more benefit. likely to see your words. You know? Yeah, there's benefits to both. I think, but yeah, just personally, I, I find them a bit of a. I find it sometimes hard to sum up what you've written. In a sort of easily digestible numbered format, because there's a lot of new, it can be a lot of nuance to a game, what you think of a game, and to it's hard to sum that up as a, as a number sometimes. But yeah, and, so, and there is a certain point where you don't the difference between one or two points is might not mean much to you. As you say, like if I called a a bad uh, Final Fantasy game, which is what I generally review for PC Gamer, <laughs> uh, like a sixty two percent rather than say a sixty four or a sixty, like. I guess it's be hard to articulate exactly what the two points difference is, but part of it's gut feeling. But you you have a. Do you not the find game. yourself like waiting that oh, is that a sixty two or a sixty four? It's because you have your own internal sense <laughs> of what it means. A little bit, but it's much harder when you get to the upper rankings. And like yeah. I gave Metal Gear Solid Five ninety three percent, which you know I could have gone one up or one lower, but I think that was the right number um, because that scale feels a lot more limited because we've got. a a canon that we keep to. PC Game yes. UK canon is that... We can't know. go above 96 for one thing. That's, yes. Yeah. And also a, it should be a big deal if anything breaks 90, whereas... Yeah. I haven't given a game uh, 90 plus since... Alien? 80 Days. Oh, right, Which yeah. was a long time ago. I don't think I've given one this year, actually. Let's a, think. A, uh, a, 90, a 90 plus. So I think we're pretty... If you read our review scale, we stick to it pretty firmly. I yeah. Think. More, more than maybe some other... Other publications. <laughs> There's Andy sideswiping. Nice <laughs> subtweet. I would say if you want to continue the subtweet theme, uh, some Careful. <laughs> unscored review sites get lost a bit in the nuance 
and it all becomes very kind of floaty and wishy-washy and there's a sense that you'd never build towards any sort of definitive (laughs) conclusion. And I guess that's fine in certain types of criticism, but also, I mean, I still think that one of the jobs that a review should do is tell somebody whether they should buy the game they're interested in buying. And I think a score, if nothing else, kind of forces you to put a declarative critical decision into your review. Yeah. Like, you have to build to a score, and you have to justify that score within the text... Otherwise, you know, it feels very dissonant to the reader. Likewise, the verdict box on PC Gamer, which you'll see in the magazine <clears> and on the site, helps <throat> do that at all. Uh, it helps do that too. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I personally, I personally like them, but um, I get why some people don't. But the, at the same time, games writing is meant to be entertainment. Like it's not, uh, it's not necessarily meant to be taken that seriously. Like it's there to, you know, help you make buying decisions for sure. But like. It's it's just games at the end of the day. We're just trying to have some fun, and if uh, you know, I, I think that readers will probably get excited more, more excited about a game if we gave it ninety four percent rather than no score. And this game is brilliant. Like I, mm. I and you know, as good as that text will be, like it's just <clears throat> it just adds a little something. I think you know. I just don't like making things easy for people. <laughs> I, don't know, like, but I, want, I want you to work to find out like, what I think of this game. <laughs> That's I, fair enough. People I, should read reviews more. Yeah. Well. Yes or no. Like. Some games, like Dishonored 2, right? I know if I was just a regular consumer, I'd know I'd be interested in that and exciting, excited by that. And I wouldn't necessarily want to read much in the way of criticism about it because there's always the chance that you absorb, like, you, you, you intuit some spoilers from the way different critics dance around them. Um, see any any collection of people discussing Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones on, Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. perfect <laughs> example. Um so what I would do would be, uh, when it comes out, I'll look at the scores, and if it gets 9s and 10s, I know, cool, I will just go and buy it. Yeah. And if it gets 5s and 6s, that's when you go think, well, okay, let's, re- let's read ahead and find out what the problem read, is. You yeah. can read a review. I often read reviews after I've played a game. Just yeah. to see if it mirrors yeah. my own. I a lot of people so, do that yeah. as well. And that's I think, I think more than anything, that's where the obsession with score comes from in uh, online discussion is people see a score and it doesn't match up to their expectation or their experience. And they go on the defense. And then suddenly it's straight on, on the, the defense offense. without maybe yeah. fully reading the, the reasoning. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. But then I also think that maybe the two of you are underestimating the extent to which you, you do get to be tastemakers on PC Gamer. Like, Andy, like a, a significant proportion of your, uh, what, 11,000 Twitter followers probably follow you because... 12. Probably because follow you because <laughs> they value what you think. And, you know, mm. it's like being on PC Gamer and writing a lot of the flagship reviews. Like, I think you'd be surprised how many people do actually read your work but just don't ever comment on it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't get too down about that. Yeah, you do. You go in a bubble, you don't really know who's reading your stuff, do you? Yeah, the only feedback you get is internet comments, and that's like yeah. 0.07% of almost people telling you how shit you are. <laughs> Most of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> telling um, you to go fuck yourself. What was it that line <laughs> in the 
that line in the thick of it where Peter Mannion says, oh, have you ever been on the internet? It's like walking into a room where everyone tells you how shit you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. But That's like, not fully uh, true. Though. Obviously, there's some nice commenters. No, and we, we, we saw like a reader survey for the US edition recently, and like um, people really like what we do. It's just that you don't ever ask them. Like, what do you think <laughs> yeah. of what we do? And then when you do, you find that people do enjoy Cause, it. Because so. most people just quietly read, read a thing. And go, oh, I like that. They yeah, need to go on and think, tell people. Oh, everyone hates me. They're just saying mean comments. But then you <laughs> think, well, I've never made a comment on a website in my life <laughs> yeah. unless it was, like, for my job. Yeah, yeah. people listen to this, so they obviously care what we think, you know. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's fine. But I, but in, in conclusion, I like review scores. Yeah, yeah. I think they're fine. And they're, not, they're not going anywhere, so it's so it's fine. <laughs> hey, you got any more questions, Phil? Was that um, maybe like okay. one more, and then we'll punch out. We can do one more, uh, which I'm going to summarise because it was quite long. I'm not, uh, and also because I've closed my email. so That's fair enough. We're not on deadlines, so I'm just sort of freewheeling. So yeah, we can just sort of... Hey. Uh, this is actually quite specific, but it's uh, Steve Acone asking uh, anybody who's played Forza Horizon 3 that it seems compared to previous games in the franchise I've played, it seems you get far fewer cars to drive. Uh, maybe my wheel spins have been particularly unlucky, but I almost never win any cars and just end up with credits of varying amounts. My level is in the 30s, and I feel like my stable is ridiculously small. It's I've just won asking. one roll. I've won one car. It's incredibly rare. In, in like I've won 19 hours. Five or six yeah. now? But it's good because you get one, it's like a, it's got a bonus, XP bonus. It's not like a, it's, it's something that should be... Yeah, exactly. Like The main way of getting cars should be like you go and buy them. But yeah, um, I think uh, my... I feel like there's a... I feel like there's a lot of... There's more cars in Horizon 3 than I'd ever buy than like use. over 400 now with the DLC packs, yeah. I think. Pretty um, shit. Yeah. yeah. What about the um, car barns? What do they do? Do you get new cars from doing that? Yeah, well, you yeah. get old cars from doing that. The bar, oh, okay. There's like 15 barns hidden around and you find like a run a beatdown classic that mm. you're... Um, at Brucey, uh, uh, I can't believe it. That's a Ford Woody. <laughs> he does like, say oh, that. Oh, good. Like, hey, that's a, uh, that Woody. terrible voice acting aside, that's a great bit of open world design. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And you um, do see like a really like lovingly destroyed model of the thing before it's been refurbished, right? And also, the I, Ford Woody. I took a Ford famous, Woody out. It's like yeah, a it's D class one. I took it out on a like <laughs> a sprint race at one point. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's like an Turns old along at like yeah. twenty miles an hour. <laughs> I'm like, come on! Some of them are good, though. And you get a little bit of history on the car as well, which I like. Yeah. Is that one thing Horizon's missing is the... I love the, um, uh, whatever it's called, Forza Vista mode in the main Forza games. You can do it in Horizon, but you can just look at the car. You just look at it. In the main Forza, there's like a spiel about You can like get the history of the car read by Jeremy Clarkson, but, you know, you know that's you, unfortunate. You can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah. I, really, I like that sort of poking around the car and finding out the history, so that, yeah, that's... That's yeah, no, the that's garages. Cool. Yeah. So what what this person's really asked is two uh, people absolutely love Forza. Is there anything wrong with Forza? And they've gone no. no. Well, no, <laughs> no, no. like hundred cars. I, I think cars. the problem is like it, so. So you basically asked many ways. So it, does money come in too slowly? And uh, I don't know. Yeah. I've got plenty of credits. Yeah. But we also got the VIP thing that doubles our credits with each wheel spin. And yeah. So our, our review code was like automatically like the the one that you can spend money on which is like the vip edition so whenever you do a roll on the the rollomatic you get double the credits so it's slightly so um, yeah that's yeah. not not entirely we did not request to be in the vip club that was just on our copy yeah <laughs> we didn't say we didn't demand yeah and get us in the vip club otherwise don't you know who we are yeah. <laughs> if we're not vips i don't know who i'd leave is. it if i could but yeah yeah, I, yeah yeah this is a slight tangent but um ages ago um the PR... If I could, <laughs> how bad yeah. is this? It's not like being, you know. 
Well, yeah. Well, the, I'm a Freemason. I hate this shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the PR for Elite Dangerous, um, I'm going to write about this in the mag at some point, um, a while ago, gave me uh, like 20 million credits. And I went, oh, this is amazing. It, it, it just gave me it just to like test some of the new ships. So I went out and I bought all the best ships. And I just, and suddenly now that nothing was out of my reach, I got bored. I felt like. Um, yeah, you just of, break the progression, don't you? Yeah, I just felt like a you know like a sort of millionaire. I just buy, I'd buy a sh- the the highest end luxury ship. It was not, it was like two hundred million credits I had. Yeah. I'd buy the highest end ship and fly it for five minutes and just sell it. Just I was going on joy rides and I just felt like a sort of fan. Um, there's nothing too elite, really, is there? Yeah, like, and know. so I just I deleted my account and went back to zero. Yeah. And it just felt amazing. I felt I felt I had to work my way back yeah. again. I was back in a sidewinder. Suddenly, upgrades had meaning, you know. Like when, so, it's like one of those scary door episodes, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've, got too, I've got too money to spend. Too big spaceship. I'm sad. So yeah, have, when I yeah, um, fall off. being rich is not fun. Enough. When I reviewed or um, did an update piece for one of TF2's patches, uh, one of the community ones that added loads of hats and stuff in, Valve just sent me. That just added all the hats to my account, and that also just broke the progression yeah. of it. So it was like, well, I've, my backpack's full of hats now. There's I don't no need to do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like I'm my, too uh, hat rich to bother. <laughs> I, it's quite nice owning stuff in Grand Theft Auto Online, but also completely pointless. So my uh, my little brother is currently addicted to trying to buy. I don't, know, I don't know if it's a gold airplane, but something like that. And God, isn't uh, that like mega bucks? Yeah, but he's been like playing it nonstop, and he's got. But he was thinking of buying one of those forty pound like. Cash shark, shark cards, cards uh, yeah. And I said to him, "Don't do that." That's like, why Rockstar stopped making. I said, <laughs> "Making DLC." <laughs> it's like we just sell shark cards. I said to him, "Like the stuff you want there you, to own in that game, you can just play in the main game for free. So yeah. if you want to go for a ride in a Hydra, you can steal one and just park it in your garage and go for a ride." Yeah, you can't fly over the uh, free roam multiplayer though, and everyone looks up and goes, "Oh, he's got the golden." And that's what it's about. No one ever looks up, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh, plain. I, I think the best thing about GTA Online is being low level and like, uh, like we both work for Tom Hatfield's company, don't we? What is it called? Triple, uh, triple Triad. Triad. The crime syndicate, Triple Triad, which we <laughs> thought was a good name. Uh, <laughs> that is good. Um, but yeah, like uh, I don't know. Like it's. I briefly thought, what if I just spent some money or you know got a rock star to send me some pretend money? <laughs> but then I thought. No, it's nah. like, you know, the fun is building up to it. Otherwise, yeah. there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah a cautionary just, tale. Mm. That's a tangent and a half. but It is a bit, boy. yeah. But that very much brings us to the end of this week's podcast, which is, I think has been quite a good one to make up for the fact that we just flew away again. But next week, we'll be all but back in the office again. I've no idea what we'll talk about. Probably more Battlefield, more specifics, maybe. I bet another embargo will have passed, so... <laughs> Is there anything else coming out uh, this week as well? It's big game season now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when's Titanfall out? Sivs That's out the soon. end of the month. Sivs out soon. Yeah, Titanfall's coming soon. Sivs out soon. What's the other one? Um, is that it? Might be it. That might be it. That might be it. And then um, one PR is oh, you shouting at the thumpers out. I've no doubt you'll play that. Yeah, part. I've been playing a bit of that. Uh, yeah, I can save that till next week though. Let's uh, save that till next week because I've only though. played a couple of levels, but yep. it's good so far. That should be good. And yeah, I'm sure there'll be other stuff. Um, but uh, yes, thank you very much for listening. If you uh, want to get in contact with us, it's pcgamer at futurenet.com. Or you can tweet the hashtag. What is it? Or do you just, uh, people just tweet at you? Just, you just tweet hashtag pcgpodcast. Yep. Or you can tweet any of us. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. I'm at Octader, which is O C T A E D E R. I'm at Ultra Brilliant. Uh, probably best to tweet uh, me or Phil because Andy's a very popular Twitter personality. So and, uh, well, we're verified now, Sam. So who yeah, knows well, what? Our... I've had so many like 
shit kind of like uh, marketing people... guys. Yes. yes, that's what happens as soon as you get verified. All these uh, wannabe marketing gurus follow you, so they can get some of your sweet influence juice. But they follow one hundred fifty thousand people, <laughs> yeah. and like they have two hundred thousand followers. And I'm like, what, what are you using Twitter they, for? They just tweet like links to their self help books and like a picture of Steve Jobs and a motivational quote. It's like <laughs> business robots. Yeah, that's it. I see influencer. I see a lot, and oh, God. yeah, and like uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't really understand that. But hey. Um, but yeah, you can uh, you can contact us in those various ways. We've got a nice chunk of questions there, which I think we've built up after a while. Uh, yeah, we've um, saved it uh, a while. Uh, put podcast in your subject line if you're sending us an email, and that'd be great. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, definitely read out your questions, and then also, uh, what's the other thing? We have a magazine out. Magazine. Um, we have an issue right out right now that's got Gwent on the cover mm-hmm. with uh, some free Warframe gifts that we talked about earlier, which is cool if you want to get into that and play with Gareth. Um, and then we also have a new issue out soon, which has Dishonored Two on the cover, and yes. um, that comes with two free packs of Elder Scrolls Legend card, Legends cards, which is really cool. And four pages about video game toilets. Yes, that Andy wrote, and mm. uh, I put I put a toilet on the cover of the magazine. Well, I yeah. didn't, but my art editor did, and I approved it. Um, <laughs> so we should go into that a bit over on next issues or yeah. when, when the issues out. Because we'll talk put, about it a little bit. You put a lot yeah. of effort into that, Andy. Because yeah. I remember we did also get a question from somebody saying, uh, "Yeah." We, we, yeah. we could maybe go over some of the making ofs of our features or whatever, some some backstage, yeah. backstage details. Yeah, there's certainly not enough self-indulgent nonsense on this podcast, <laughs> so I'd like to increase that. There's some, there's some quite there's some stories from de- devs I didn't use in the feature, so then a room so I could that'd be great in the podcast. Maybe we could do that as a podcast, like go through like the issue and just say this is how this was done. Maybe if it's only for twenty minutes or something, but you know, director's just... uh, director's commentary. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I imagine a lot of the people who listen to this probably are magazine readers, so um, yeah, that'd be good. Um, anyway, yes, uh, see you next time. Bye.